We can't just give blank checks and expect good things to happen. At the same time, we cannot leave our allies on the battlefield to bleed out. Tony Gonzalez. He needs to come out and have unscripted uh, discussions with voters. He needs to have a debate. Tell us what he's going to do about closing the border. Tell us what he's to get with the American people, what he's going to do about restoring the middle class. Are you the RFK Jr. and uh, Tony Gonzalez on some of the big stories today. Guess what I'm doing? I am breaking breaking uh, tradition and formatting. And I'm proud to do this because I would do this for these two amazing people because I uh, love working with them. We are technically crossing the streams right now up front because you guys just got a big interview. And I should say, so it's official, PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition. Right. That is good. We're going to re-rack this at the at the five. But let me just say this, guys. Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman. Yeah, you got a very big get this afternoon. What's going on? Tell me who you talked to today. Well, by the way, I, I feel like the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man will be walking through any moment now because we're crossing <laughs> the streams at, a, at the wrong time or, or at a different time or the space-time continuum. But, but yeah, we uh, this will be the second time because we, the first time we talked to her was uh, we were – where were we, Beth? We were on the balcony of your dad's place at North Myrtle Beach. As one is mm-hmm. during a radio show. You know, <laughs> that's what normally happens on a radio show. But uh, Ambassador Nikki Haley joining us. We just finished the interview. We'll have it on our show tomorrow at 8.05. Um, and she actually gave us a great uh, full half-hour interview. Wow. A lot of conversation. Uh, so we feel we feel pretty lucky to to get that, ex- that much time with somebody who's so incredibly busy, given that the, the election or the... The, the South Carolina primary is... This wasn't one of those softball kind of question things, was it? It wasn't soft soap. And you guys, you, you brought in some heat, uh, I understand. I don't want to give away anything, but you you asked some tough questions. A lot has happened since uh, since that summer on the beach interview. <laughs> um, Much I mean, has changed. But she's still standing. I mean, yeah. there are only two left, and we talked about that. And um, we, we actually did something that I don't know that I've ever done uh, with an interview like this. We got a, a letter from a, an email from a from a listener today mm-hmm. who had some real questions about how she sees a path to victory. And uh, we read that. I mean, that, we read the whole email. We, read the whole email. Yeah. we, we talked about a lot. I mean, quite frankly, uh, Brett, uh, at this stage of the game where she is in the process, you hear that you got a chance to interview somebody like Nikki Haley or, sure. a, or a Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't know how much time you're going to get. Absolutely. And, and they're in such high demand that you basically just take what you can get. Sure. Right. So you start off and you have a couple of questions and you have about five or six, but you assume you're not going to get to all of them. Right. We talked to her for uh, the better part of a half hour. She was in very clearly in the car in on route. the way to the next stop. Sure. So she sort of faded in and out in some, I mean, you know, rolling under a bridge and we, we lost her, uh, but it never completely lost her, but you could tell she's in transit. And so uh, I, I felt, uh, and I feel the same way with Trump or anybody who mm-hmm. wants to talk to us when you're at this stage of the game and she's made it this far in the process to, uh, to give anybody, uh, you know, the better part of a half hour, uh, that's, uh, and she said some things that I think people are going to be interested to hear. Oh, look, that's I mean, that's phenomenal. Uh, uh, Beth, one of the big things, obviously, is because this is WBT and we go well deep into uh, in South Carolina right. for that primary that's coming up here. And who else would you want to talk to but, but you guys? Right. Well, and early voting here in North Carolina starts at the end of the week. So people are ready heading into Super Tuesday. And that was what the uh, the email that we received from one of the listeners was a, a, a guy named Barry who was a registered Democrat 
for years and years ago decided to change to unaffiliated. And his plan was to vote for Nikki Haley, but was seeing that he didn't real didn't understand how she could potentially be successful. And he called her out on it. And she she came she she came in with a, a great extended answer to that email. See, that's really important, because if you just dodge that kind of a question, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. What It's good to go right at it because it shows your dimensionality here with, with the conversation for sure. Well, she we obviously talked about some of the things that Trump has said in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. We talked about what he said about her husband. Um, and, and she has said one phrase so many times uh, during the, the process that I don't take things personally uh, in a in a political race. And I, I asked her, I said, so you've said that. And she said it in the interview. And I said, well, there you just said it again. Mm-hmm. Given what he has said this past weekend, does that still stand? Is there a threshold or some point where that becomes right. too personal? Right. We also talked to her about what's going on with the president and uh, his press conference last week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact that he's not going to take a cognitive test now yeah. uh, as, as part of the uh, acuity evaluation. I asked her the question. I said, uh, if you... Get past Trump somehow. Mm-hmm. Do you think you're going to be facing Joe Biden? And uh, you'll hear what she said tomorrow. Yeah. And yep. her answer mm-hmm. uh, raised Might my eyebrow you. a little bit. Oh, yeah. Look, yeah. this is this is a, a huge get uh, well fitting for, for the show and well fitting for the station uh, o- overall here. So uh, on the last couple of moments here, Beth, can you uh, characterize sort of. Her her mindset here is is she Don Quixote, you know, trying to chase after windmills, tilting at the windmills, or is she, is she tilting at the windmills? What are we what are, what are we what are we feeling here? Is you know, it- I, she um, she goes back to her talking point that in every election that she has ever won, which she she points out that she has won every race that she has ever run, that she's always the underdog, that she comes in mm-hmm. with very low percentage ratings. She comes in with very low polling and ends up taking people out who are incumbents or who who are well known, which then, you know, led her down the, the path of the conversation about the, the establishment in South Carolina and why people like Governor McMaster are not supporting her, mm-hmm. why people mm-hmm. uh, like Senator Tim Scott are not supporting her. Um, and she goes into a detail about that. Uh, so, you know, for that, I think she's coming, she's coming in. She's not really tilting at the windmill. She's coming in scrappy and, and planning on being a fighter. You know what? Okay. I'm going to change the analogy then. I'm going to, I'm going to go to tombstone here, right? Because who do you got? You she's going to be our huckleberry. You got, you got, no, you got exactly. You got Nancy Mace kind of standing over there. Tim Scott's up on the roof. You got this other one over here. I mean, it's like this thing can go anyways, uh, any possible. Now, listen, you have been incredibly good sports. You've been incredibly good sports because you've been up for a hundred hours and, and you're doing interviews with Nikki Haley. This is really great. So I'll give you the floor. Uh, Pitch this audience on why they got to tune in tomorrow to hear Nikki Haley. Well, obviously, WBT covers North and South Carolina voters, and we have a a primary is the key to really having your voice heard, especially Mm. in this election cycle. So the reason you need to listen is if you are one of those people who is undecided or if you have been a strong supporter of Mm -hmm. one or the other candidates, Mm -hmm. you really need to listen to these kinds of conversations with an open heart and an open mind because you might learn something. You might change your mind. That's true. Look, absolutely. Bo Thompson, I'll give you a final a final say. Well, one other thing we asked her is if you don't win this nomination, given all that's happened with, again, the things that Trump has said lately that sort of have ratcheted this up to a point where it's at a fever pitch, can you see yourself endorsing the presumptive nominee? Who ha- It has to be Trump because there are only two of you left. Right. Right. And you'll hear what she said tomorrow. Uh, like I said, uh, a good half hour with, uh, with the, the candidate that is uh, 
the only one left facing Trump. And uh, she realizes how many people can hear this radio station and the power of the 50,000 watts. So uh, we hope you'll join us tomorrow. 8.05 is when we'll uh, play that interview. Outstanding stuff. All right, go get some rest. This was a a wonderful uh, conquest, and I appreciate you guys being here with me today. Uh, Well, we love getting to see you face-to-face. I know. It's like it's a rarity. I know. What is is this, news and brews? (laughs) What what are we doing? Hold on. Get me a cold one. (laughs) Beth and Bo, appreciate you guys sticking around and uh, sharing it. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. You You guys got it. News Talk 1110-993, WBT, telephone number 704-570-1110. Once again, uh, thanks to uh, Bo and Beth coming by uh, on the program. Tony Bobolinsky gave one heck of an opening statement to the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees today. This is a quote from his opening statement where he testified about uh, the, the Biden business. From my direct personal experience, it is clear to me that Joe Biden was the brand being sold by the Biden family. His family's foreign influence peddling operation from China to Ukraine and elsewhere sold out to foreign actors who were seeking to gain influence and access to Joe Biden and the United States government. Joe Biden was more than a participant in the bene- and, and the beneficiary of his family's business, he was an enabler, enabler, despite being buffered by a complex scheme to maintain plausible deniability. He was an enabler. The only reason any of these international business transactions took place with tens of millions of dollars flowing directly to the Biden family, was because Joe Biden was in high office. The Biden family business was Joe Biden, period. This is the most important story. That's Miranda Devine. This is the most important story going right now because it explains to you everything that is happening at the White House. Why is Joe Biden denying that he is cognitively compromised why is it that jill continues to take him and put him up there to take the beating like a like a like a tomato can um and that and that's a technical term for for boxers that'll get out there and fight anybody uh and give people wins this is what is going on at the white house this is what is going on and make no mistake i think now that hunter is off the scene he's still out there mixing it up Because Joe Biden is the brand. It's the only thing he has is access. If he gives up and hands the reins to Kamala Harris, if he hands it to Kamala Harris, if the ticket becomes Kamala Harris and Gretchen Whitmer or Kamala Harris and and somebody else, Joe Biden is out of business. He's no longer able to pardon anybody. He's no longer able to steer Federal money to this project or that one. And you note in this thing that Bobolinsky's talking about the influence peddling operation from China to where? Ukraine. Why is Joe so hot on Ukraine? Why is Joe so committed on Ukraine? The $1 billion? Well, son of a bee. They fired the prosecutor. Why is he doing that? Now, look, I understand 
many of you in this audience, many of you in this audience were deathly afraid of Donald Trump as president. You were afraid. And so what you did was you said, listen, I'm going to go and vote for Joe Biden because that's normalcy. Normalcy for the Bidens is not normalcy for you. See, normalcy for the Bidens is grifty graft and, and, and weird videos of naked people frolicking with prostitutes and smoking drugs. Is, is that is that any way, shape or form how your family comports themselves? Of course not. But you saw the videos on the laptop and we were told the laptop was fake. It was a lie. It's not true. You can't believe it. It is real. It is true. It was all real. It was all true. You think Hunter Biden was sober enough to write a whole bunch of fake emails on that laptop? Heck no. Come on. So I understand you Democrats, you progressives, you moderates, you squishes. I understand you guys were scared of having another Trump term. You were scared of that. So you embraced Joe Biden. I understand that. I understand, you know, cowardice, nervousness, whatever it is that came down the pike. And that's why nobody has ever called my show defending Joe Biden. That's why nobody has ever called my show and extolled the virtues of the amazing policies. Inflation is now up. The stock market was down today. They're not going to cut the interest rates. You know that for a fact. What did you hear two and a half, three years ago? You heard the warning about Joe Biden that he is never right in 50 years of foreign policy. He's never right in economics. He's never right on any of this stuff. He's constantly wrong. He was a stopgap. And I understand you were scared. And I'm not going to hold it against you. But you have got to at least come to the realization that this is a, 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 a straw administration that is functioning much more like, uh, like an overseas uh, operation that, that peddles influence than it does as a presidency of the United States. This is why... The president of the United States, your president, our president, the president, is finished. It's finished. Bobolinsky was in the room. It's not made up. Devin Archer was in the room. It's not made up. The laptop was real. The influence was sold. And that's why he will not get out of the race. Who knows what reckless thing lays ahead of us. Coming up, I have an issue with the senator from North Carolina. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Witterville Show, 704-570-1110. Well, the, the Senate, the Senate pushed the uh, funding bill through today. Yeah, it was uh, really quite something. Uh, I got to tell you something, and and I'm sorry if this is going to offend anybody, but I have to speak truth to power. Uh, I am a powerless man, but I do have uh, the ability to spot the truth. The people who are pushing this funding bill as hard as they are pushing it are uh, are real pieces of work. They're real pieces of work here, folks. And I'm sorry. I'm going to step on toes. I don't care. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, Give me cut number nine. Mitt Romney was speaking on the floor of the Senate today. And uh, just listen to the derision in his voice on this Ukraine $95 billion funding bill. Cut nine, please. The latest excuse for denying aid to Ukraine is that this bill is a clever disguise 
to set up an impeachment of Donald Trump at some point in the future. Under this so-called logic, Trump has to be elected, Democrats have to win the House, and those Democrats have to be unable to find any other discretion of Donald Trump's upon which to base an impeachment. Now, I know that the shock jocks and online instigators have effectively riled up many in the far reaches of my party. But if your position is being cheered by Vladimir Putin, it's time to reconsider your position. Dude, you are so lame. You just need to go retire. You're so lame. First of all, um, as as it wasn't shock jocks that found the provision. It was a fellow senator named J.D. Vance, who's much more popular as a senator than you are, Mittens Romney. And we went through the analysis of this thing. We, we talked about this yesterday, about how they were putting in a piece of legislation that said that if if Donald Trump comes in and tries to remove the funding mechanism before September of 2025, that that can be grounds for impeachment. It's, it's, it's written. We read it. I read it to you guys last night. I read it to you yesterday. Why would you be putting that sort of legislation in if, if it's not true? It's in the bill. You have two senators in North Carolina. You have a senator called Ted Budd, and you have a senator called Tom Tillis. The speech that Senator Tillis gave earlier today, I, I found to be wanton and lacking. He initially presents to you, the taxpayers of North Carolina, um, the great benefit for spending the $95 billion for Ukraine because it's going to help us restock our stockpiles of weaponry. So this is a really good bill for us to restock our weapons and then send them over to Ukraine so that at some other point we'll restock our weapons. But it goes downhill from there. It, it absolutely goes downhill from there. Uh, I'm going to start and stop this, uh, TJ. I just want to give you the tip on this. Uh, cut number 12. This is Senator Tom Tillis uh, of North Carolina defending this deal out of the house. Out of the A Senate. lot of people say we're sending 70, 80 billion dollars to Ukraine. Really? Well, last time I checked, about half of it's going to the military industrial base here to replace the inventories that we've sent to them to replace and, and to aid our modernization of our arsenal. So do a, def a defense bill. We have bill. billions of dollars in this bill to actually build up our defense industrial base that we now know, thank goodness, this is not against a NATO ally because we would be desperate trying to actually support an all-out war now. But thank you, Vladimir Putin. If anything good came from this, we know how weak your military is. Hold on. Stop right there. Stop right there. We know how weak your military is right now. Then why do you need all this money to go to Ukraine if Vladimir Putin's military is in collapse? I mean— who, who, who told you that the military is in collapse? They've had a lot of casualties, no doubt about that. But are, are we really going to go out there and say that they're about to collapse? Because if they're about to collapse, do we need to send the weapons? Continue. A 10 to 1 ratio of Ukrainians to Russian soldiers dead. And I feel bad for every one of those Russian families who lost somebody in this war that they didn't want to be a part of. 87% of their ready forces when Putin started this war. Putin is losing this war, folks. Mm -hmm. This is not a stalemate. This guy is on life support. 
He will not survive if the 50 nations who have come together in the Ramstein process to support Ukraine stick together. He will not survive if, if NATO becomes stronger. NATO's already got one and about to have a second ally that is only here because of Vladimir Putin. Hold on one second. So are we talking regime change with Vladimir Putin and the Russians? Because if you're talking regime change, Senator Tillis, then there's a real possibility that, he, I don't know, he might deploy a nuclear weapon uh, against a European country. If he's, if he's this desperate, if you are holding him, if he's that desperate, what's to stop him from using a nuke or busting out into some other NATO country? Continue. He's made NATO stronger. He's demonstrated that he is weak. He's demonstrated that he is losing. We all heard the classified reports that are now public that we thought that Russia was going to have air superiority uh -huh. within a couple of days uh -huh. and control all of the Ukraine that they wanted to control within a couple of weeks. Well, folks, that was two years ago. Okay. Ukraine is winning. They're winning. And Ukraine is winning because the Western world, the NATO allies and 25, some two dozen other countries have come together and made it very clear that Putin's desire to reestablish the Russian empire is inconsistent with a democratic world order. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. With, with all due respect, Senator, with all due respect, if he's about to collapse... Then, then how is he going to try to rebuild the Soviet empire? You just told me he's got no air superiority. You just told me he's got no weaponry. You just told me he's like on the, he's on the brink and he's going to rebuild the Soviet Union. How, how is there? Are your constituents asking you this question? Are these questions? These are questions that need to be answered by the, by the senator, by the senior senator from North Carolina. This is the, this is what he's saying. Okay, continue. Putin is losing. This is not a stalemate, a 10 to 1 kill differential between Russian, uh, between Ukrainians and Russians is indisputable. Then why do they need our the money? The platforms that he's leaving on the battlefield are indisputable. Uh -huh. The fact that we need to modernize and build up our industrial base is indisputable. Thank you, Vladimir Putin, for bringing that us to our attention. Is that from the bringing that to our attention. defense and contractors? what else? What else? What else? China is watching. China. I'm less concerned about Vladimir Putin than I am about China and our retreat from leading the Western world. Guess what? We're an exceptional nation. Oh, no, it's nation. a guess what? And we are the beacon of hope for democracy. True. When we step away, who fills the void? Uh, China? I don't know, China? You'd be hard-pressed to find any nation that has the scale and the ability to do it but the United States. With all due respect to my friends... And NATO. Pause that for a second. Okay, men and women, veterans, are, are you ready to go fight a war? Are you ready to go over and fight Putin? Because it sounds to me like that's what we're hearing from the senator here. But he's not even worried about Putin, even though Putin is trying to rebuild the Soviet model, even though they're 10 to 1 losing, even though they don't even have air superiority. Okay, so we have to spend all this money. For our own weapons. Great. I, I'm, I'm on board with you, Senator, that we need to spend all this money on our own weapons. For sure we do. We are depleted. But then just come clean and say this is a $95 billion bill for American weapons to defend ourselves against other forces. But why are we cloaking this? Why are we cloaking this uh, with, with the turtle? With the turtle there in the Senate. Uh, 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 Mitch, Mc Mitch McConnell. 
I mean, why, why, are we, why are we giving Mitch his dream? Okay, continue, please go. China is watching. Why am I so focused on this vote? Because I don't want to be on the pages of history that we will regret if we walk away. But Russia's losing. You will see the alliance that is supporting Ukraine uh-huh. crumble. Th- th- with that? You will ultimately see China become emboldened. Why? How? And I am not going to be on that page of history. I believe that we have to vote today and we have to respect some of the priorities, maybe the concerns of the House as they move this through. Mm. But let's let this chamber mm. be the chamber that stands with the free world. Uh, uh, sure. That's what Great. we can do today. We can do that, yes. That's what we must do Without today. Spending. And what I must do mm. is go to my great state of North Carolina. Here we go, if folks. I have friends who think... Otherwise, mm-hmm. I owe it to them to share every bit of knowledge that I have mm-hmm. to have them understand that I don't love where we are today, mm. but I hate where we'll be if we don't move forward with wow. this vote. Wow, we're on, a, we're on a lot of different angles. We're on a lot of different angles. He's going to come back to North Carolina and explain to you why you have to send $95 billion to the defense contractors when Putin's losing and all that and he's going to straighten you out with the intel. So if you get that chance, please report back. What does that look for? I only have sound in one speaker on my headset. I, it just dawned on me. That's why I've been. That's why I've been. I've been walking to the right all all week. Oh, I've I, been walking to the right because the left is not. I thought maybe you hurt your ankle or something. Sitting in the studio. No, well, no, it didn't happen. Worst things. If it, it, no, it didn't happen. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to take you behind the scenes here. Um, George H. W. Bush's boat is for sale. His speedboat is for sale. John just sent me the note. He just sent me the link. I don't even know how much this thing is going to cost. But my gosh. Feel the need for speed? The late president's boat with the presidential seal on it and everything? 75 mile per hour speedboat is up for auction. Yes. It seems the former president, George H.W. Bush, felt the need for speed off the waters of Maine, where he kept a nearly 1,000 horsepower speedboat. Whoa. Okay, what are we doing? Is that too fast for the Catawba? It's a 38-foot speedboat called the Fidelity 5. It's going to be used to expand the offerings at the George H.W. Bush Presidential Library and Museum and at the uh, University at uh, Texas A&M. Okay, now hold on one second. Do you think there's going to be any restriction on who buys that that boat? Because oh. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't even want to put this in the, eth- in the ether, but I'm going to do it, okay? You know, these, these cartels, they would buy that boat and use it to smuggle people up, you know, into the beaches of, of America. Oh, uh, that makes you way too obvious. It's got the presidential seal. Get out of the way. Yeah. No, I think you, you become, people come flocking to you. Well, Flacco, Gordo, all well, that. Well, hey, all those. Yeah. But it's, I, I mean, I just, I'm looking at this and I'm like, this is something that somebody would want to buy. This is like really something that somebody would want to buy. 
Maybe we could add it to the Ukrainian Navy. I mean, I don't know. I, I, look, I, I'm, not, I'm not making a joke. I, I'm being practical here. We've given them $95 billion, of which, according to Senator Tillis, like, the Russians are losing, and it's gonna, they're on the brink, and they're going, it's going bad, but we need the $95 billion. You know, so we don't have any money. No money. No money for the border. None. Zero for the border. For the border. You got nothing. We have nothing. Nada. Yet. I'm trying to be ecumenical with the language. I'm doing a little Spanish. I'm doing a little Russian lingo. But I mean, what are we what are we doing? We're not funding anything at the border. We're allowing uh, the the current uh, purveyor of the border to do whatever he wants. I mean, this is this is this is out of bounds. And I don't mean to clip a phrase from TJ's one of TJ's favorite celebrities and Guy Fieri. But I mean, I'm just saying that is that is out of bounds. Comment from uh, from a, a listener, Russ. Tillis' speech was nauseating. He says constituents don't agree with the bill because they don't understand it. His comments demonstrate that he has no idea what's happening in Ukraine, how bad our spending problems are, or how depleted our own military is. We are canceling or postponing routine training because we don't have enough equipment and ammunition for the most optimistic timeline for replacement much less being prepared for a China threat five or more years without diverting anything else. This is a problem. This is a problem. Tony says, Trump should buy the boat just to gloat about it. Wow, that'd be something. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show. Good to be with you. 704-570-1110. So I want to throw this out here, too. You have a number of things that are competing for your attention right now. By the way, later in the hour, Ira Melman from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. We're going to talk about the border. And then at 450, Michael Harrison, the publisher of Talkers Magazine. Today is World Radio Day. We're going to talk about that. But when you look at the stories that are moving, Bobolinsky comes in, he testifies, the transcripts have been released, he makes it unequivocal that Joe Biden was the brand that was being sold, uh, stuff that we kind of expected. Uh, we also have, of course, moving at the same time, and a, a terrible inflation report today, which means that we're probably not going to see rate cuts uh, at, at any point in, in, this, uh, in this near term. So those rates are still going to be super high. It's going to hurt the housing market. The stock market's been taking it uh, uh, pretty hard uh, all, all day long. Um, so the economy is an issue. Uh, we now have a, a specially engineered Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell special, where they got 22 Republicans to go along with the $95 billion spending package that has no relief for the border and is all about satiating uh, Ukraine who Senator Tillis told us they're on the ropes uh, in Russia. Why are we spending $95 billion? We're spending $95 billion because we have to replenish what we've sent, I, I guess, is sort of how the rationale goes. I don't really understand it. Um, Mitt Romney saying that this is all the work 
the, 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 the blocking of this bill is all the work of the shock jocks. I have to ask. Uh, I may have to ask uh, Michael Harris about the shock jocks. I don't. I don't think there are any shock jocks left. I think the shock jocks kind of, kind of. That was about twenty, twenty-five years ago that you had the shock jocks uh, doing their stuff. So we have all this stuff that's pulling at the exact same time in in, in this country: the border, the economy, the cognitive challenges the president has. Even though they'll tell you he doesn't have any cognitive. Uh, challenges. So if you want to rank the issue and you want to look at the issue and you want to say, OK, this is important. This is not quite as important. This is not important. You know, I, I'd be happy to hear your your take on this. I happen to think the border is very important. We've had a million people come across the border since October. A million people. We don't know who they are. We don't know where they're living. We don't know what they're doing. We don't know any of it. We don't know any of it. And so in a panic move earlier today, the White House came out and decided they were going to do a press briefing at 1015 this morning, which like they never do 1015 morning briefings. They usually do them, you know, two thirty, three o'clock uh, just before the president goes to bed. And so we now have. Uh, a whole new approach that they're going. They're, they're trying to look like they're doing busy work. And they're telling you, Corrine Jean-Pierre is telling everybody the economy is good. She's telling everybody the crime is down in Washington, D.C. She's saying things like uh, the, the transcripts uh, are probably not going to be released for the her investigation uh, into uh, Joe Biden and the, uh, and the documents that were left uh, in open boxes in an open garage. In fact, let me let you hear that clip. This is going to be cut 15. Cut 15, Corrine Jean-Pierre answering the question about Joe Biden's transcripts. Uh, committee chairs have sent a letter to the attorney general asking for, for the release of the transcripts and recordings related to her investigation. Given your insistence that the special counsel's characterizations of the president's demeanor uh, were inaccurate, are you eager for this material to be made public? Do you support their release? Well, look, and I just want to be really clear, it's not just us. There was also a bipartisan voices and illegal, illegal experts who have said it was wrong, flatly wrong, right? It was, it was gratuitous. It was inappropriate how that was characterized characterized in, in, in uh, the special counsel's report. I will add that this was a 15-month investigation uh, that interviewed 150 witnesses, examined uh -huh. 7 million records, and cost $3.5 million of the tax taxpayer money. $3.5 million taxpayer dollars. They explored every theory and found that there was no case to be made. Uh, so House Republicans wasted their time, are waste, continue to waste their time. Hold, hold on. Just, uh, just, just cut her off. Just cut her off. She's had enough. She's had enough. The issue at hand here is the cognitive issue. The reason why they want to see what's in the transcripts is not the three and a half million dollars. It's because they want to see what Biden didn't remember. That's why they want to see that. That's why they want to hear that. That's what they want. To, they want to see the video. They want to see the audio. They want to hear the audio. And it was this whole 150 experts and three and a half million dollars. So what? But of course, we should spend that money. But, you know, let me tell you something here. And this is important to understand. They went in, Jack Smith went in with the FBI to Mar-a-Lago and rifled through Melania's underwear. Through her, 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 her intimate things and her underwear and all that. And they, those FBI agents with those, with those paws going into the drawers and seeing what's going on. You know, I, 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 that, 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 you want to talk about an intrusion. 
That is an intrusion. That's a former first lady of the United States. I guarantee you nobody went into Jill Biden's intimates or the president's intimates. I guarantee you that didn't happen. But people want to know whether or not he's in a cognitively challenged situation. He's able to come out, obviously, every three, four days and yell at the American people because we saw it on Thursday night. And then today he came out and he yelled at the American people about needing this money to go to Ukraine. But we don't understand totally why he needs the money for Ukraine. Yes, it's to help fight the Russians off. But is this also a quid pro Joe? I mean, we don't we we don't know. I'm just asking questions. I'm not impugning anybody's reputation. I'm asking questions. And we can't get straight answers from her. We cannot get straight answers from from Corrine Jean-Pierre. You know, you know who should be answering those questions? John Kirby. Kirby's on the ball. News Talk 1110-993 WBT Brett Waterbull Show. Good to be with you. 704-570-1110. Oi, 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 the uh, the stock market today. What's going on? Well, there was inflation that manifested itself, and the inflation that has manifested itself has created uh, so, some bad feelings out there. The stock market today, Dow sinks 524 points after the January CPI shocker. So what is this all about? Here's what it's all about. The Bureau of Labor Statistics this morning at just about 830 or so said the consumer price index was up 0.3 percent month over month in January and 3.1 percent year over year. Both of those numbers were higher than the 0.2 and 2.9 and percent respective increases that economists have been expecting. Core CPI, which... To me, I don't understand why they do it this way. So the core CPI, the consumer price index, the stuff you buy, excludes food and energy prices. They don't count the food you buy or gas you put in your car or diesel you put in your car. Uh, they, they say that that doesn't really count because it's volatile. Well, you're still paying for it. It should be measured accordingly. But, you know, Obama Biden did that. They they changed that definition. They really they did. And then Joe Biden would eventually change the definition of a lot of things. Anyways, uh, also came in above forecast 0.4 percent on a monthly basis and 3.9 percent on an annual basis. So the data tells us that it's all but certain that the Federal Reserve will not cut rates in March. Expectations for a May rate cut declined after this bad report came out, which means, you know, 7% for a house, 7% on, on borrowed money. I mean, all of this stuff is a challenge for people. According to CME's group, FedWatch Tool, futures traders are now pricing in a 35% chance that the Fed will cut rates by a quarter of a percentage point down from 52% one day ago, because they, they watch all this stuff very closely. So, so now, people are a little worried. And, and the I word is still kind of floating around out there. You know, the I word, you got uh, impeachment, you got impeachment of Mayorkas, you got instability, you got things going on here, and it feels like right now, this uh, group of people are not ready for a prime time who are running the, the government. I, in fact... Here, let's just turn over to uh, 
Corrine Jean-Pierre again. This is cut number 13, telling you how good the economy is on 13. Go. We're seeing some price pressures that can't necessarily be explained away by shrinkflation or continued issues with supply chains. If you look at the cost of services, such as auto repairs or health care, those costs are still rising. So what is the White House's message or what is to Americans who, for example, may have to take out a loan to fix their car? What specifically is the administration doing to lower the cost of services? And that's a good question. And look, uh, we've been very, uh, very clear here that prices are still too high. We're going to do everything that we can to lower costs. Cost. That is something that we've done, whether it's junk fees, right, whether it's health care. Junk fees. Uh, whether it's the Inflation Reduction Act that also includes health care uh, provisions in there to, so that uh, Medicare can, can certainly uh, uh, negotiate with Big Pharma, hence lowering some prescription drug costs, which is incredibly important, energy costs. All of these things are important to the American people, so we're going to continue to do that. We've, lo- we've, we've, we've uh, because of the President's action, he's been able to lower cost at the pump, uh, uh, and so that that's mattered as well to Americans across the country. So we're going to continue to do the work. Obviously, we understand there's saying more nothing. work to be done. But this is an economy that is in a much different place than it was a year ago, a much different place, obviously, than it was three years ago. Uh, when, you see, uh, when you see eggs and milk uh, and products like that at the grocery store going down, they're lower than they were a year ago. That's important. Okay, but the inflation is still there because you're spending too much money. You're spending a lot of money. You're you're spending. You just got another ninety five billion dollars if this thing passes out of the house. For maybe the Russians are going to lose and maybe the Russians are going to win. I. This money's all sloshing around. This this is not the way this is supposed to be. You told us that you were the experts. But you are not acting like the experts. You are acting like the rank amateurs, which is a problem. I, I, I look at this and I just shake, I just shake my head to, to think about this. Here's the advice I would give to the Republicans who wanted to take on this administration. And by Republicans, I'm not... I'm not Trump's Trump obviously knows what he wants to try to accomplish. And uh, Nikki Haley, I guess she's still trying to accomplish some things. And you'll hear that interview tomorrow on on Bo and Beth tomorrow morning on Good Morning BT. All you have to focus on is the border. It is a layup. If you focus on the border because it cuts across the strata of the country. People understand it in Chicago. They understand it in Denver. They understand it coming across the northern border, coming across the southern border. They understand what's at play here. People understand it. It's a very easy thing to understand. Now, I will add a second issue. Inflation. Inflation. And then I would append to the inflation crime. Crime. Crime is a big deal. Open border Crime, what you saw the cops getting beat up in New York City. You saw that little punk shooting a gun, 15-year-old shooting a gun in the middle of Times Square. That's a big deal. You focus on those three things. That's literally the only things you have to focus on. Foreign policy, you could talk about foreign policy all you want. Talk about Israel. Talk about, talk about Ukraine. Talk about China. Those were all challenges. No doubt about it. But what affects your bottom line is inflation, border, 
and crime. Here, I'll make it easy for you. The BIC strategy. The BIC strategy. Remember the old saying, flick the BIC? Flick the BIC. Border. Inflation. Crime. If the Republicans will run on those three things, you will decimate. There's no S in decimate. You will decimate these leftists who have turned our cities into modern-day hellscapes. I sat here and listened to the sound that Pete Callender offered up today from the hearing last night. And people are actually advocating for people to be allowed to defecate, um, to pee, to engage in sexual activity out in the public. That there's a right for that. That's under the umbrella of crime. That's crime. That is something that needs to be addressed. If you talk about those three things, some, get, get Senator Tillis on the phone and tell him to stop talking about Ukraine. You need to talk about the big strategy. The big strategy. Border, inflation, crime. That's it. That's all anybody cares about. Border, inflation, and crime. You cover those three bases. And you, you will look like Pat Mahomes throwing a massive massive 90-yard bomb to a winning player doing incredible things. That's all you have got to do. That's all you got to do. That's all you have to do. Let everybody, you know, clutch their pearls and, you know, yell and scream. Those three issues are what matter to people. Okay, fine. I heard some feelings in the crowd. Brock Purdy throwing like a 40-yard pass. Because that's like really all I can do. I mean, to be honest, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be helpful. News Talk 1110 99.3 WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show. I am happy to welcome uh, back to the program. He's uh, somebody who's right on the front line of this fight as it relates to the border. He is uh, Ira Melman from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Ira, it's good to have you back on the show, sir. Thanks. Good to be back. So let's talk a little bit about what it is we're seeing at the border. Um, the, the, uh, the excuses run uh, massively from this administration, and uh, we've just got a wide open border. What are we going to do about this, Ira? Well, uh, you know, there are a number of things that can and should be done about it. Whether we're going to do them or not remains to be seen. Uh, you know, the first thing is that Congress does need to pass legislation that will prevent the president from doing what he's been doing for the past three years, which, as you pointed out, is just throw open our borders, disregard our laws, allow people to abuse our asylum system, uh, all sorts of other abuses that have been going on. Uh, the House passed a good piece of legislation last year, H.R. 2, uh, which has gone nowhere in the Democratic-controlled Senate, not surprisingly. Uh, they had had several opportunities to get that through the Senate, uh, especially with the opportunity presented by the foreign aid bill that the president want, wants uh, passed. Uh, you know, the House of Representatives has said that in order... Uh, for us to be able to help our allies defend themselves, we need to be able to secure our borders, uh, and that they would not uh, approve a foreign aid package unless uh, there was border security for the United States included. So that's number one. Uh, 
number two, in the absence of uh, federal action, uh, we were just down at the border last week, and we have seen what just you know moderate efforts on the part of Governor Abbott down in Texas have done. Uh, they have brought about a vast improvement in a very short period of time. We still have mass illegal immigration coming to the United States, but the cartels have now shifted the operations to Arizona and California, where you have governors who don't particularly care that the border's wide open. Well, I'd say this is this is so maddening. I'm I'm, I'm noting, looking at the uh, website today, uh, fairus.org, uh, we, we've had uh, 8,304 illegal border crossings uh, today. Uh, this is this is a crisis of immense proportion, and we, we know full well the, these are, are these are these folks ever going to be repatriated back to their to their homelands? Not likely, and that's the strategy of this administration. They recognize that they're creating facts on the ground. Once people are allowed to enter the United States, it becomes very, very difficult to remove them. It is a long, tedious process. Uh, and, and that's what they have been banking on. So, uh, you know, in the words of uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, uh, you know, he is estimating that 85% of the people who are now being encountered at the border are being allowed to come into the United States pending some kind of review of their claim uh, to remain here, which can take years. I mean, we, we're talking sometime in the 2030s uh, before their cases will ever come up before court. In, in that time, they have lived here in the United States, those who don't have valid asylum claims are simply going to disappear and not show up for their uh, date in court. So it's all a game that has been rigged by this administration because this isn't incompetence on their part. Uh, it's actually it's, it's competence that they want this. They have created a system that has done precisely this. It may be the only policy they have uh, that is actually working, and it's working against the interests of the American public. Um. What's the end game here? Is the end game uh, uh, plentiful, cheap labor? What, what What is this? Because um, we know that you've had 2.9 million foreign laborers coming in, and and they're getting uh, they're getting work assignments pretty much right out of the box. Uh, what is the end game for this administration? Well, it, you know, partially it is, as you point out, cheap labor interests that want to be able to hire workers more cheaply than Americans will work for, which is not good if you're an American worker. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's also political. Uh, you know, you go back to 2020. Joe Biden recognized that if he was going to win that election, he needed to get the far left out to vote for him on Election Day. Uh, you know, they had kind of sat on their hands in the previous election, uh, and he needed to get them out. And, you know, we can surmise that he cut some kind of deals uh, with the far left wing of his party saying, you know, there are certain issues that I will hand over to you. You can run them as you see fit. Uh, and it looks like immigration is clearly one of those those issues. Uh, you know, now he's facing reelection. He's got on the one hand, uh, the vast majority of the American public disapproving of the way he's handling immigration. Uh, he is way, way underwater on that issue. Uh, but at the same time, the far left is pushing him even harder uh, to open up those borders to allow more people in uh, and to relax enforcement of our laws. So, you know, he's in a difficult position, but, it, you know, there's also a political element uh, based on sort of the internal politics of the Democratic Party. Visiting with Ira Melman from uh, uh, Federation for American Immigration Reform, uh, FairUS.org. Final question for you. To the extent that it can be known, do we have any sort of a handle on how much we have spent 
over the last three, three and a half years um, uh, as a result of this, whether it's enforcement, catch and release, uh, uh, costs to the economy itself more broadly. Do, do we know how much this is going to end up costing us as of, as of now? Well, FAIR did an estimate, and this goes back almost a year now, that it's now costing the American taxpayers at the federal, state, and local level about $151 billion a year. Uh, but to make it to zero down even more, uh, New York City, which has been ground zero for this migrant crisis, they have close to 200,000 migrants who have shown up uh, over the past year and a half. They are budgeting $12 billion between now and the end of fiscal 2025 to accommodate the illegal aliens who have shown up there. And, and to put that in perspective, as one city councilwoman said, it is more than the city is spending on police, fire protection, and sanitation combined. Uh, that's how much it's costing just one locality here, here in the United States. Uh, you know, you take that across the country, uh, the, the numbers just keep growing exponentially. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, Ira Melman, it's a pleasure to catch up with you again. It's been far too long, and I appreciate the work you're doing and in, uh, informing people as to what's going on. Um, I do appreciate you, sir. Thanks very much. You're very welcome. That's Ira Melman. I'm Brett Witterbull. Lot to think about there, folks. A lot. World Radio Day. So save the date. United Nations and UNESCO are going to celebrate, inform, entertain, and educate into its second century. A lifeline called diversity. Now more than ever universally. Audio messages around the wheel through the electromagnetic field. Radio is important. And I am Brett Witterbull, and that is Michael Harrison, the publisher of uh, Talkers Magazine. He's also uh, appearing with a uh, very talented band called Gun Hill Road, and that is the uh, the anthem for uh, February 13th, 2024. That's today, World Radio Day, Over the Radio Waves by Gun Hill Road. Michael Harrison, good to have you back on the show. It's great to be with you, Brett. Thank you, and thank you for playing a snippet of the song. We appreciate it. Oh, ab- look, ab- absolutely happy to. Uh, talk a little bit about what World Radio Day is and, and uh, how, how long you've been involved with them. I've been involved with it for about the last seven months when uh, UNESCO asked if I would serve as executive advisor to this year's um, creation of it. Um, World Radio Day has been around for uh, 13 years. Uh, It started uh, in 2011 when the United Nations uh, declared it World Radio Day, and uh, they executed through their cultural arm that we've all heard of called UNESCO. And basically, it's um, it's an international day. It's officially declared by the UN. It's not just one of these silly commercial mm-hmm. days that you hear for every organization and everything out there or months. It's a and not that they're all silly, but um, this is a really uh, difficult thing to have declared. And um, I think it's a gift to the radio industry and radio listeners all around the world that the United Nations uh, believes enough in radio to celebrate radio as a an iconic institution that has a colorful past, present, and a very, very, um, very much real and alive future. That's what it's all about. It really is. But, you know, I was kind of taken aback when I hear that lyric into its second century. I mean, that that is really quite something, Michael. (laughs) Yeah. You know, what's funny is that actually radio has a footprint in three centuries because you know, we always talk about Marconi inventing mm-hmm. it, and mm-hmm. a lot of radio stations that were started in the, the 1920s are celebrating their, their centennial. But there was there were experiments and lots of different inventors involved in creating 
radio in uh, in the 1800s, and as early as the 1860s, wow. philosophers and theorists were talking about the possibility and the uh, potential of sending audio signals through the um, electromagnetic field mm-hmm. as if by magic. So radio has been around uh, in the 1800s, the 1900s, and now in the 2000s. It's, uh, it's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, we, we remember how exciting it was uh, in in the last century uh, to be able to pick up, you know, uh, the uh, the world bands that were out there. You'd be able to listen to shortwave radio and things like that. Now, we have so much radio that we can consume, uh, streaming, uh, over the air, uh, you name it. Uh, it. It's it's never been more vibrant. W- what's your prescription uh, for the for the future of uh, of radio, Michael? Well, remain relevant. That's the most important thing. Uh, one of the magical magical aesthetics of radio, because radio is not now just AM or just FM, just as it was at one time only AM mm-hmm. and shortwave, and then FM became popular. Um, radio is an aesthetic of audio communication, and it accompanies uh, video in some cases. It extends to podcasting in some cases. It can be carried on satellite. It can be carried online. But radio is an aesthetic that is magical and as much as it combines education, it combines uh, information, and it combines entertainment into one um, pulsating you know, mm-hmm. world of uh, communication. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very hard to explain what radio is, but I do think one of the challenges that radio has to face going forward is to have an idea of what it is that separates it from the bigger term audio that a lot of people in radio are right. retreating to. Right. But to, to call radio audio is to, is to call a restaurant food. There's a sign, food. We'll go there. Um, audio is much too vague and much too broad that uh, to, to make that the new word for radio, you know, it's 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 incredible, especially when you think about the great milestones in that regard. Uh, obviously, the War of the Worlds uh, uh, experiment uh, with with Orson Welles. Uh, then then you've got obviously the the, the burning of the Hindenburg uh, as it's as it's crashing down in, in in Lakewood, New Jersey. And then what do you have? You have uh, the correspondents that stood on those rooftops in London and in Europe uh, during the Blitzes. Um, it's 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 about conveying information, but it's also about the dramatic as well, right? Tapping into the theater of the mind, which opens the door to all kinds of uh, creativity and expression uh, and, and instantaneous coverage. You don't have to drag cameras in. You don't have to uh, set the, the sights and the stage. You can just cover it based upon the passion of the broadcaster and their skill. So, uh, there's a place for radio going forward. Um, it is a lifeline for many people, yes. not just around the world, but in this country as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's talk about taking it out of cars and, you know, does it matter? Yes, it does matter. Yep. AM radio and FM radio still are very vital, but around the world in some places, it's the only means people have That's of right. being connected. And, and look, we appreciate what uh, what they've done with uh, World Radio Day on on February the thirteenth, twenty twenty four. Today we're, we're commemorating that. Um, it's a it's a hugely important and intimate medium, which is also I think some of the the, the specialness of it. Uh, you can't drag your TV in. All oh, you guess you could drag your phone with the video if you wanted to in, in, into the shower. But you know, there's just nothing like wow. listening to it and uh, and and experiencing uh, it, it all, all the way around, Michael. 
No doubt. You can drive while uh, listening to it. Mm-hmm. And no matter whether you're lying down or sitting straight, it always comes across straight. It never comes across sideways. That's if right. I could uh, mention sure. um, our our website for the song, it's got a cool video about uh, radio, uh, overtheradiowaves.com, overtheradiowaves.com. I hope you don't mind me sticking that in there. Of course. Absolutely. Michael Harrison, it's such a pleasure to catch up with you in this new year, and I know we've got big things in front of us. Um, I will ask you this with just a couple of moments left in the conversation. Um, Can you believe how weird the political cycle's getting? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let me analyze it completely for you in the next 30 seconds. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. I mean, (laughs) yeah. And, and and it's just starting. This is going to be a heck of a year in talk radio, isn't it? It sure is. It already is, and it sure is. And it's much, much grateful. Uh, we are very grateful for you uh, stewarding uh, us with uh, with Talkers Magazine and, of course, the great uh, music that you've got with Over the Radio Waves and uh, the World Radio Day itself. Michael, I, I so appreciate spending time with you, and I look forward to catching up with you uh, uh, as we get closer towards summertime. I, it's been a real pleasure to speak with you. Uh, that would be great. Thank you so much, Brett, and uh, good wishes to everybody listening to WBT. Great to have you there, my friend. It's so good to talk to you. That's uh, Michael Harrison. I'm Brett Witterbull. Uh, we got a lot coming up here, including Beth Troutman. Beth Troutman's going to be joining us. Bo Thompson's going to be joining us. We're going to be doing a uh, Crossing the Streams deluxe style. You'll find out. You'll see. Big interview. And uh, you'll get to hear some of the details straight ahead. 704-570-1110. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. They're saying things that I can hardly believe. They really think we're getting out of control. Radio is the sound salvation. Radio is cleaning up the nation. They say you better listen to the rise of reason. But they don't give you any choice because they think that it's treason. So you had better do what you were told. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, Brett Witterbull Show. Let's uh, jump out on the uh, phone, catch up with David. David, welcome to the program. What's on your mind, sir? Hey, Brett, this isn't my usual subject, but um, I'm more curious as to whether or not anyone else saw this. What, what happened? I was on 85 head north. Mm-hmm. This was about 30 minutes ago. Okay. And I'm right there by the airport. And I look up through my windshield, and I see a you know, big jet, you know, taking off. Mm-hmm. And then I see something that looks metallic, looks like it drops out of the bottom of the plane. And then it loops around the center of the aircraft what? and ends up still at the bottom. And then the plane just keeps on going. And this thing's just hanging up there in the sky. What the heck was that? You know, and I'm trying to drive at 65 miles an hour and I'm looking up and I'm like, what in the world is that? Well, that's weird. We haven't had any reports on this. Well, I guarantee you, whoever's in the plane saw it. They had to have. Somebody did. Maybe it's in, it could be like I mean, experimental or something. Is some something like no? I mean, I first thing I thought of, you know, was drone, but it didn't look like a drone. It, it had a, it was like shiny. I mean, there's no clouds out. Yeah. You know, and the sun's shining bright. Yeah. And it was really difficult, you know, to get an idea of what it really looked like. It looked long. Like, maybe with a tail fin, but no wings. Whoa! And uh, it was, you know, because it was hard to tell how far away the jet was. Yeah. 
this thing couldn't have been more than 10 or 20 feet, you know, across or, or long. No but kidding. it just like did a loop around the plane, around the midsection. What is... And what? then just stayed there Maybe as it, the plane flew by. Could it have been a drone? Maybe a drone? I guess it could have been. I mean, if I had just looked up in the sky and saw this, I probably wouldn't have given it much thought. Yeah. It's more the fact that I saw this thing make a loop mm. around the plane, around the midsection. Huh. Where the first time I saw it, it looked like it came out of the bottom of the plane. Well, that's weird. But then it went up and then back over to the top okay. and then back down again and then just sat there. All right. Well, if anybody keeps on going, if anybody saw like it was heading north, yeah. If anybody, if anybody saw heading north, now that's that. All right. Well, uh, look, you've put the word out, and we'll we'll see if anybody calls. And um, here's what I here's what I would say. And I appreciate the call. Uh, all right, hey, well, thanks. Thank you, buddy. I mean, here's what I'd say. If you are east of the airport, 704-570-1110. If you are west of the airport, 704-570-1110. North of the airport, 704-570-1110. South of the airport. Yeah, actually, I'm not permitted to take reports from south of the airport because that's there's, you know, okay, I'm not going to do it. All right. I won't talk. Seven oh four five seven oh eleven ten. David's a real guy that that's not that. Look, that we have some people. I mean, Spencer probably would be able to explain it to us, but we have people. We have people who are very enthusiastic is it going to make me homosexual? It is. Oh, going gay. The dogs are going gay. Hold on a minute. No, no. Wait a second. Stop. Let's stop right there. Are you going to love me forever? No. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have enthusiastic people about things in the sky, and then we have people that are not necessarily enthusiastic. And in my experience, David has not been an enthusiastic guy about things in the sky. He's a he's a solid he's a solid guy. Which is not to say that people who are enthusiastic about things in the sky are not solid people. But, you know, you drive around looking up all day, you're going to see some things. I, I'm, not, I'm not allowed to say chemtrails, right? Oh, whoa. oh, shoot. Darn it. Yeah, contrails. Chem, chemtrail contrails. Okay. Let me... Let me... Uh, let me recapture myself here for a quick moment. I want to uh, I want to welcome everybody to the program here today. You know, and I got to tell you something here. There is uh, while we're on the subject of looking up into the sky and seeing things and things like that, I want to encourage you to join with me at tourwithbrett.com. We're going to go up out of CLT, out of Charlotte. Douglas Airport, we're going to fly to Vienna. We're going to fly to Vienna for a Christmas market wonderland along the Danube with KOA's Mandy Connell, me, and great people from Folds of Honor. I'm going to be bringing on these guests in the number, next couple of days. And I want you to come with me. I want It's going to be amazing. Me and Sherry are going to have a, a great time. November 29th to December the 8th, 2024. Now is the time to start planning for Christmas. Now is the time. Do not wait to plan for Christmas like Christmas Eve. 
plan for now because I'm telling you we're going to be on we're going to be on a ship. We're going to fly an airplane, fly on an airplane, and then we're going to get on a ship nestled in the charming cities, cobblestone streets illuminated by holiday lights set against stunning historic backdrops with the extravagant decor at each turn. Europe is a true Christmas wonderland, and I want you to come with me and Mandy and the Great Folds of Honor folks. It's going to be incredible. We're going to go we're going to go to an area that goes all the way back to 1434. It's going to be incredible. We're going to have glue vine, hot mulled wine, gingerbread, nutcrackers, handicrafts, enchanting festive vibes, which henceforth I'm going to refer to as EFVs. EFVs. We're going to have a blast. You got to go. I'm, I'm telling you, you walk up to your loved one right now and say, we got to go tourwithbrett.com or just give them a call phone number very easy to remember super simple here's your digits you're going to be able to call connect with them they're going to answer all of your questions uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you're getting the, the getting those pens ready uh, because this is going to be a great trip that you're going to tell all your friends about 800-383-3131 800-383-3131 that's uh, cruise and tour um, we're going to have a blast. You're going to want to be on this trip. Going to get exclusive access to me and my friends and Sherry and me. Phone Most number. Most important you. 800-383-3131. Most important. Oh my gosh, come on. <laughs> I am at some people's disposal. So. Other people, it could be arranged. <laughs> For real. I'm not joking. I'm not watching things in the space, in the, in the sky. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. <laughs> on the Danube. With my people. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Okay, so I don't know if you guys knew this or not. You should know this. It's very important. The crime in Washington, D.C. is not as bad as you might think it was. And how do I know this? Well, they brought an expert out to talk about a number of different things earlier today. Corrine Jean-Pierre, the uh, spokesperson there at the White House, uh, came out and, and basically broke it down for us. Uh, cut number 14, it turns out the crime is down in D.C. No kidding. Um, the D.C. City Council had a preliminary vote the other week on a secure D.C. bill uh, that expands uh, the detention, detention for youth and adults who commit violent crimes, establishes drug-free zones, etc. Uh, given the president's uh, signing of an overturning of a D.C. criminal code last year, does the White House have a position on this new D.C. Uh, bill that seeks to address public safety here in the nation's capital? So, as police chiefs will tell you across the country, we've seen uh, actually a significant uh, a drop in crime uh, last year in 2023. And so obviously the president's efforts to fund the police and measures to prevent crime are working according to this 2023 FBI data. Uh, there has been significant, obviously, drop in, in, in crime, including one of the largest yearly declines in homicides ever. And so, look, if you even compare it to what we saw, uh, what we saw in the 
Trump's administration in their final year. Uh, we saw that in the U.S. and this country that the largest increase in murders ever recorded. So the president took action. We're seeing we saw uh, we're seeing a decrease in, in last year. Uh, and so uh, look, we want to do more. Obviously, uh, president respects the D.C.'s right to pass measures that strengthen both public safety and public trust, but not certainly going to comment uh, directly on the proposal uh, that's still being debated. So we're going to let D.C. go through their process, and we're going to do everything that we can to continue uh, to lower crime. Hang on. Hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why was there an explosion of crime in Washington, D.C. in 2020? It was defund the police after, after the George Floyd killing. All the municipalities were defunding the police. They were, they were pulling cops back out. They were doing that. What is she talking about? So, so hold on a second. So it's Trump's fault that the murder rate went up, but it's Biden's amazing policy that they can take, that they can take the, are you, are you serious? So we have cut it the most because it was so high. <laughs> I mean, if you have a, a thousand homicides and then you cut it to 200 homicides, you can say that, that we, there was a massive number. I'm not saying that was the actual number, but I'm just giving it for an example. Holy cow. I'm not, I'm, I was asked to go to D.C. for CPAC. I'm not going to D.C. for CPAC. No interest. It's, 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 the city is very dangerous at this stage of the game. And until we get a commitment from, from the, 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 the city... To be much more careful with people. I mean, this is not acceptable. I mean, that's my that's my that's my opinion. I'm sorry, that's my opinion. You know, I'm I'm also hesitant to go to New York City right now with all that's going on in New York. I mean, you have to have some common sense here. Kim, welcome to the program, Kim. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm well. Thanks for calling. Hi, hey, the guy that called in earlier about something going around the planes. Yeah, he's not joking. There's something. He's, what? It's gone. It's not a drone either. Okay, so you saw so you saw the thing flying around uh -huh. the planes at the same time. Yep. What? Yes, I did. I seen it. And I was trying to call you guys, but the line was busy. So I'm sure a lot of other people seen the same thing too. No kidding. Well, how would you describe what you saw up there in the sky? It was going around like it was zipping from place to place, and it was just it was it was not a drone. It was not a drone. A drone has got two. It's like two uh, what wings on it. Yeah, this was not a drone. It was something else. Could it, did it look like maybe like a little tiny helicopter kind of a thing or something? Could it have been that? Some it could have been something like that. Something, something, and it was way up there too. But yeah, again, it was obvious to see it was not a drone, but it was something, guys. Whatever it was, it was something flying around up there. Holy cow! All right, well, uh, that's mm -hmm. that. Look, that's another, that's another report. I mean, that's another report that's coming in here, and uh, I appreciate you uh, sharing with us, uh, uh, Kim. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm a fan. Thank you. Have a nice day. Oh, thank you. You thank you for being there. So we've got we got more information now coming in with the thing that's flying around. That's it's it was not it, it's not a drone. It because it looks that's like a helicopter. It went the other way around. So people are look. If you saw this again, we've got a um, we have an exclusive number to use seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten. Whether you are. Southwest of the airport, southeast of the airport, northwest of the airport, northeast of the airport. Please don't be over the airport because you're supposed to have your phone put away. 704-570-1110. It's really quite. I didn't know that. Look, can I 
can I share with, I feel like I know this audience pretty well. I didn't know space aliens did stuff in the daytime. At that, I always, as far as I know, according to my book, and I got a book about aliens, they do stuff at night so you can see them, not in the daytime. Is that, or if I got that rule, is that backwards? I don't know about this. Could I be, could I be getting toyed with? Could I be getting gobsmacked? Bamboozled? Bamboozled? Giving me the... <laughs> Get McGinty. I uh I'm feeling I'm feeling some kind of way about it. Oh come on now. This is a dog pile. We got dog piling now. Hold on a second. Hold on. Ken. Ken, what did you see, Ken? Uh, I saw a real <laughs> Oh no! What do you do? A good close-up of it, and Elvis was flying it. Oh my lord! Look at you! You know, they have they have a designation for what you just did. They call it being a Weisenheimer. You're some kind of a Weisenheimer, saying that Elvis was flying. Everybody knows Elvis had his own plane. I mean, he didn't have to go mess around with other planes. This is um, this is something that look. We have got two unverified though we want to verify them True. the truth is out there somewhere uh that that there was stuff by the airport i've not heard from cmpd i've not heard from johnny jennings i've not heard from cpi i've not heard from the governor yeah. the governor not that governor the governor from cpi uh, you know i haven't i haven't heard from them what am I supposed to do? I'm so glad the microphone's off so we can have this deliberation. Real, oh, it's not. A, okay. Well, it, you know what, ladies and gentlemen? This is radio in real time. It's possible we read this totally the wrong way, this uh, alien thing. that We've had a couple of people who are reporting to us that they saw something uh, unusual near aircraft in, in, you know, over by the airport. Is it possible that we have been using the terms alien so much in the last three years that the aliens are now wanting to get in on the action, thinking that they're, they can come here now? Now, I don't know what the procedure is. For space aliens wanting to come into the United States. I would assume that they're probably being brought in by intergalactic cartels that are bringing them into the into the United States. Because where I mean, you look at the entire big blue marble. Where would you want to be? You would want to be in Estados Unidos. You want to be in the United States of America. Because, first of all, while we don't have the fastest Internet, we have pretty fast Internet. South Korea's got bomb internet, man. It's super fast over there. No, it's fast over there. They have internet so fast in South Korea, I've been told by somebody who may or may not be competent in this field. Their internet is so fast, you can actually see the show from tomorrow today. I don't know what that means. I'll, don't mind me. I'll just stick with my regular old dial-up. 
Honey, hang up the phone. I'm on the internet. You disconnected me from AOL. I'm worldwide webbing. So we had a report. We had one report, and then it was backed up by a second report. Both of these people, I would, I would rate as 9 out of 10 scale of credibility. The only way I give a 10 on a 10 scale of credibility is if it was me and I did it. Then I would believe myself. But uh, nobody gets a 10. Nobody gets a 10 uh, on, the, uh, on the deal. You know, that's, that's, that's where I'm coming down here. I can't believe this either, though. We have a senator in North Carolina named Tom Tillis. He gave a big speech on the floor earlier today arguing for the $95 billion that need to go over to Ukraine. He justifies it in about six different ways. None of them are consistent. I'm sorry. I have to be honest with this audience because my credibility is on the line. Let's listen to the speech that Tom Tillis gave earlier today. Cut 12. A lot of people say we're sending 70, 80 billion dollars to Ukraine. Really? Well, last time I checked, about half of it's going to the military industrial base here to replace the inventories that we've sent to them to replace and, and to aid our modernization of our arsenal. We have billions of dollars in this bill to actually build up our defense industrial base that we now know, thank goodness, this is not against a NATO ally because we would be desperate trying to actually support an all-out war now. But thank you, Vladimir Putin. If anything good came from this, we know how weak your military is. Yeah. A 10 to 1 ratio of Ukrainians to Russian soldiers dead. And I feel bad for every one of those Russian families who lost somebody in this war that they didn't want to be a part of. 87% of their ready forces when Putin started this war. Putin is losing this war, folks. So why do you this need money? This is not a stalemate. This guy is on life support. He will not survive if the 50 nations who have come together in the Ramstein process to support Ukraine stick together. He will not survive if, if NATO becomes stronger. NATO's already got one and about to have a second ally that is only here because of Vladimir Putin. He's made NATO stronger. He's demonstrated that he is weak He's demonstrated that he is losing. We all heard the classified reports that are now public that we thought that Russia was going to have air superiority within a couple of days and control all of the Ukraine that they wanted to control within a couple of weeks. Well, folks, that was two years ago. Ukraine is winning. And Ukraine is winning because the Western world, the NATO allies and 25, some two dozen other countries have come together and made it very clear that Putin's desire to reestablish the Russian Empire is inconsistent with a democratic world order. Putin is losing. This is not a stalemate, a 10 to 1 kill differential between Russian, uh, between Ukrainians and Russians is indisputable. The platforms that he's leaving on the battlefield are indisputable. The fact that we need to modernize and build up our industrial base is indisputable. Thank you, Vladimir Putin, for bringing that us to our attention. What? Bringing that to our attention. And guess what else? What? China is watching. Uh -huh. I'm less concerned about Vladimir Putin than I am about China and our retreat from leading the Western world. Guess what? We're an exceptional uh -huh. nation. Yeah. And we are the beacon of hope mm -hmm. for democracy. When we step away, who 
fills the void. You'd be hard-pressed to find any nation that has the scale and the ability to do it but the United States, with all due respect to my friends in NATO. China is watching. Why am I so focused on this vote? Because I don't want to be on the pages of history that we will regret if we walk away. You will see the alliance that is supporting Ukraine crumble. You will ultimately see China become emboldened. Mm. And I am not going to be on that page of history. I believe that we have to vote today and we have to respect some of the priorities, maybe the concerns of the House as they move this through. But let's let this chamber be the chamber that stands with the free world. That's what we can do today. That's what we must do today. And what I must do is go to my great state of North Carolina, uh -huh. and if I have friends who think otherwise, I owe it to them to share every bit of knowledge that I have, to have them understand that I don't love where we are today, but I hate where we'll be if we don't move forward with this vote. So we have to um, we have to uh, we have to spend ninety five billion dollars so we can give it to defense contractors who can then transfer that over to Ukraine, who is beating the pants off of Vladimir Putin. So I don't understand why we need the ninety five billion dollars to to give it to the Ukraine effort, which is beating the pants off of Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin has nuclear weapons. And if he gets pushed hard enough, I think he would probably deploy something like that. I, I mean, I, he's, he's nuts. He's stone cold. He's stone cold killer. I mean, we know that about Vladimir Putin. We've seen what he's done. But that, that being said, we're, we have air superiority, according to the senator, and we're beating the pants off of him. And he doesn't want to be on the wrong side of history because, uh, because of what's happening here. This is this is. This is really disingenuous. I, I, think, I think this is bad news for uh, Tom Tillis. I think this is bad news to come down like this and then at the end to say, you know what we're going to do? <clears throat> I'm going to go straighten out all those people who don't believe that we need to do this sort of stuff. I'll, take, I'll, I'll, I'll give them all the intelligence when I get back home to North Carolina. No, 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 no we don't need that. We don't, we, we don't, Joe Biden already had the classified stuff. Don't, don't bring the classified stuff here. I think people just need to make their own conclusions. But whew, that was not a very effective speech. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, thanks so much to uh, TJ and Isaac and Bo and Beth and each and every one of you. It's been a pleasure spending this time with you. Coming up in just a matter of seconds, UNC Tar Heels taking on Syracuse. News Talk 1110-993-WBT.